Sometimes you get lost in the moment. Sometimes you get lost in the week. Anybody ever face that situation the older you get? You just don't know what day it is or what time it is? Is there children's church this morning? All right. No children's worship today. Good. Now listen. It's the Faith Family Worship. Mike, I didn't ask you. I'm, this is your new Bible. It's just a study Bible, and it's super, I thought of you when I saw it, super giant print Bible. So super giant. You won't need those glasses. I tried. I'm going to try it this morning. And, and today is Mike's ordination uh, to the gospel ministry. He, we licensed him as a church two years ago. It didn't seem like it's been that long ago. And then it seems like it's been that long ago. So it's been two years in 2020 when he was licensed. He was a COVID pastor, a wannabe. And so uh, we licensed to the ministry. And as Southern Baptists and they, as Town Creek Baptists, you need to know, uh, that's the process we go through. If a man shows interest that he feels God's calling him to the ministry and he desires the office according to 2 Timothy chapter um, uh, 4, then what we do is basically we as a faith family, we watch him and, and we give, uh, see opportunities for him to preach, how he ministers in the community, and see if he has a good reputation among those in the community. And this morning uh, I'll present to you uh, Mike Schaefer in just a little bit. We'll have an administrative meeting. There's no need to vote. Uh, because of our bylaws, but this morning we're going to have a vote on Mike. So all those that are members, if you so feel moved that Mike should be an ordained minister, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bless that because the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ left here on earth is the body of Christ. It's the church. Now we have his authoritative source. Uh, we have offices in the church, but I want to tell you clearly, the pastor and the deacons are not the boss of any church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he's left the authority here on earth with the church to say yay and nay. So you do have that uh, uh, vote this morning, and, and not necessary, but during our administrative meeting at the end of service, we're going to put our blessing on that so you could be a part of it. And I'll tell you, Mike did sit through a council, uh, ordination council of different pastors, and um, I'll give you their names. One was in Georgia, a pastor we met at First Baptist Jacksonville. Where were his uh, bronies? He's a pastor from Ghana, I think it was, somewhere in Africa, and he said we were his new abronies. That means his white friends. Uh, and so now he's a pastor in Georgia, First Baptist in Georgia, uh, and I don't know the city right off the top of my head, uh, but uh, we talked back and forth, and he was privileged to be a part of the uh, Mike's Ordination Council. Now, if you know anything about Mike and the Shapers, Zach, if you say, well, if I say Zach right now, look at his eyes. His eyes are getting bigger as I speak right now just by saying his name. And so, Zach in class, if I say his name, he acts like he's guilty, And he, even though I'm just trying to find out what he, I was going to ask him a question. Mike was the same way during the ordination council. It was kind of fun. He's a grown-up version of Zach, or he, Zach's a smaller version of his dad. So, it made me laugh as we sat through that and had a good time of fellowship and seeing Mike progress and grow and teach. And I enjoy listening to him preach whenever I'm away. He fills the pulpit some, so we're thankful for that today. So we have a new Bible for you, Mike, and, and I'm going to preach out of your Bible today. John chapter 17, and we would say coincidence, but how in the world did the Lord Jesus Christ end up with this sermon for this day 2,000 plus years ago, or, or really forever ago? It seems like it's a coincidence, doesn't it? But we don't believe in coincidences as Christians. We know that God's timing. So today I want to see the message is simply this, Jesus prayed. And by the way, there is cold air coming through the back. I can feel it. And if you were not a back row Baptist, you would have nice cool seats up front. So just saying for what it's worth, uh, enjoy your hot seat if uh, you're back there. We save those for the Methodists. So if, if uh, the Baptist seats are nice and cool up front. Take your Bibles and turn to John 17 verses 1 and we're going we're gonna to start right into it. And see what the Lord has to say 
really to his father. And, you know, many times in Matthew, in Matthew we have the Lord's Prayer, and we, we call it the Lord's Prayer. But as you do study and as you look, I start realizing the Lord, Jesus, could not pray the Lord's Prayer. Or if you're from a Catholic background, you'd say Our Father, the Our Father Prayer. Jesus can't pray the Our Father Prayer, right? Why? Forgive us our debts or sins as we forgive those who sin against us or we have our debts, right? So Jesus never sinned, so therefore he can't pray for forgiveness of sins. So that really was the model prayer or the disciples' prayer. And this is the Lord's Prayer. We have him breaking bread and blessing it when he's feeding the 5,000. We have those small snippets of prayer of Jesus speaking to the Father. But here, the whole chapter 17, it's Thursday, late Thursday night, going into the morning. They're crossing the Kidron Valley, getting ready to go to crucifixion Friday. And Jesus is about to be arrested. And just before he's arrested, he prays this prayer. And we have record of it that this is a prayer that Jesus prayed. So if it's his last prayer as a, if you would, God-man while he was here on earth, do you think it's important for us today to understand it? Which it should be framed and put on our, in our kitchen or wherever we live. We should go back and look at it again and again and again. If, but if we're not careful, we'd rather go to John 3 because we want to hear about salvation and skip John 17. But today we're going to look at John 17. And I don't think I need my glasses. I have them here for backup just in case. Uh, this is, there's no writing or anything in this Bible, so it's going to be tough on me. This, this is what the Word of God says. Let's read together. John 17, beginning in verse 1. And I want you to see his posture, if you would. Watch this. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, what did he do with his head and his eyes? He looked up. So where is heaven? Up. Everybody says, you can't tell where heaven is if you're in Australia. Is that up or down? The, heaven's up, okay? Heaven. So uh, where is hell? Down. And so when we talk about this, and you'll see in the Word, Jesus' posture gives us an illustration how to pray and some modeling that he does for us, and he prays for us today. It's so exciting to see. So he said this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over, what does your Bible say? All flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. Listen up. If you're not a Christian today, you need to tune in. You need to listen up. Those of you watching by YouTube or Facebook, if you're not a Christian today, you need to listen to what Jesus says is eternal life. Here's the gift of eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Remember, we're in, Jesus is in prayer time right now. He's praying these words back to God. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was, or before the beginning of the world. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things that you have given me are from you. They understand this. Verse 8, For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Remember last time, last week we preached, that when the disciples shows up says, We know now that you're from God. They understood. There was a Holy Spirit movement in their life, not fully sealed yet because Pentecost hadn't come. The Holy Spirit hadn't come. 
and full thrust, full power. But they said they had an understanding from the Holy Spirit that Jesus was from God. How did they know that? From his miracles, from his teachings, from everything that he did, they knew that Jesus was from God. Even the lost Pharisees and Sadducees recognized. Remember Nicodemus in chapter 3, John 3? We know that you're from God from all the things that you do. So there was an understanding that lost people and, if you would call them, saved people understood that Jesus was from God. Now verse 9, he continues to pray. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Just a side note, who was that? Judas Iscariot. Verse 13, he continues in prayer. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one or from evil or evil ways. They are not, verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word, what does your Bible say? Is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but here we go. Watch this. Here's your name. You can, get the, you can actually take a pen if you write in your Bible and write your name by verse 20. This is so exciting. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, we're close to finishing here, but I want you to see this. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Verse 26, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Jesus' words praying for his, himself, for his disciples, and then for you and me today. Can you imagine thinking about that Jesus thought about you 2,000 years ago? And then if you want to go and actually say, I want, he asks about the love that we, the Father and he had together before the foundations of the earth. Before the beginning. We say, when is the beginning? We say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the question's always been, where is the, when is the beginning and where did it happen? The answer is, it happened where it started and the beginning was the beginning. Amen? And everybody wants to know dates. And, and listen, it, 
it's fine to try to do some research, I guess, I suppose. I just trust by faith. There was a beginning on the planet, right, in the universe. God said so, therefore, Jesus had this plan before the beginning, eternal, eternity past. Take your notes. I want you to see this. This is, I don't do it justice in just a short time, but I want you to see Jesus is speaking that night with the disciples, and this is what he prayed. Jesus prayed to God the Father. He knew his hour had come, and he would soon fulfill the plan of God. This was the plan or the purpose, you might write, of God. God had a plan that mankind would be redeemed through the message of Jesus Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would anybody design a plan where your son or daughter dies for another person? We would say it doesn't make any sense to us at all. But God had to take a holy vessel to actually be sacrificed for unholy vessels. Now, if you look around the room, we say, who is unholy vessels or unholy ones? The answer is, that's us. We were born into sin, the Bible says. Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin for us. How can we preach that? How can we understand that? And the answer is, we don't fully understand that. But it's by faith that we take his word and we hear his word. And who's writing this word? John, who heard the word from Jesus. John. So when Remember the Great Commission? Go into all the world, right? All the nations. Make disciples. Baptize them. And then do what? Teach them everything that I taught you. So Matthew writes that saying, I've got to teach you what Jesus taught me. John is writing saying, I must teach you what Jesus has taught me. And when you look at Luke, he's writing what Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, taught them. So today when we preach, this is such a a strange thing about us as Christians. We have no other books. We have no other book besides the Bible. This is God's holy word. Where can we turn to? We don't turn to magazines or articles or the latest news. We turn every day to the word of God, the word of truth, as the Bible says so. We have but one truth, and it's found here in the word of God. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So the weirdest thing that you can think about, I've been here 13 and a half years, and I've used this book or a book like this, the Bible, every single Sunday. Those of you that are Bible teachers, what have you used? You might have some other references, there's been the devotions, but if we even read devotions, what book do they get the devotions from? The Bible. We are strange people that we have one book, 66 books contained in one book. We have an entire library that we walk around with if you have an Old Testament or New Testament. God has given us his holy word, his holy truth. I've been spending this week reading in Deuteronomy and been amazed at what I've read it before but how God's word just is refreshing and renewing, going, Lord, if we could only live by your moral laws that are found here. Not, I don't wanna, I'm not interested in the dietary laws and all those things, uh, the rituals, but I am into God's moral laws because here's what you need to know. God's moral laws never change. Have you noticed that we as a people, we will pick and choose what we want to pick and choose and say if we don't like something, if we talk about whatever it is, and you all know I was in the Navy, so any kind of worst living possible, I probably have done close to it. But I didn't get a tattoo because there was an issue with me in Italy, and, and I know there's children here, and I don't want to talk about my past, but there was something stopping me from doing that. Thank God that it happened. Well, not really, but I'm glad it didn't happen. Because, but I'm not opposed to tattoos to the point that I condemn anyone. Never. Because I would be one standing here with one that had everything fallen in order. But the Bible does say very clearly, do not cut yourselves and do not tattoo yourself as the pagans do. And what do people normally say today in our culture? Oh, you're old-fashioned. That's Old Testament. Well, what if I pull up, thou shalt not steal? 
Oh, that's Old Testament. I can rob you blind. What about, you know, the verse that comes after, do not tattoo or cut yourself, says do not prostitute your daughters. Well, that's Old Testament. We can make some money, right? You cannot do this with God's moral laws. You, then somebody would say, what about shaving your head? You going to cut your head like, like a Jew? If I had to, if God told me to, I would, because look, no, I don't have many choices, right? The point is, we don't have a checkoff list that we got, oh, that rule, not, not that rule. God's moral law never changes. The end. I mean, his truth was true back then. His truth is true today. We talked about tithing, and I was going to joke that Derek cut the air conditioning off till we tithing goes up. So, um, But some people, even pastors will argue, you can't say that the tithing is biblical. And my answer is, where is it found? Where do you find tithing? And the Bible, therefore, makes it biblical. So that's a dumb argument if someone ever argues that. Malachi, Deuteronomy, I just read again about the tithe. Just about how God wants to bless his people. And he said, if my people do this, then I will do this. There was always a, there was always a premise, right? And then a promise that followed it. And some were just like the Israelites. You ever read when I was a kid? I remember when I was younger. And I read, these people are dumb. Now, they had a promise from God that as long as they did what he said to do, as best they could, they did what he did. He was going to bless them. He was going to defend them from their enemies. He was going to bring the rain on their crops. He was going to feed them. He was going to fill up their barns. He said, if you are, uh, listen, if you are obedient to me, I will do these things for you. It was a promise. You go back and look at Deuteronomy. I'm not sure we're not going to go there next, but that's where God had me. And I'm like, Lord, these people, just like when I was a kid, they're dumb. And then I looked in the mirror. I went and brushed my teeth. And guess where the dummy was standing? Looking back at me. Have you not had the promises from God today, the truth from the word of God? And we just sing that song from generation to generation, your children and to children. Listen, I started thinking, it made me flash back to my children and now my grandchildren. I have four grandchildren. This is a true statement from the word of God that there's a blessing if you live righteously. Not perfectly, by the way, there is no perfection here on the planet. Y'all understand that, right? If a preacher preaches or someone teaches you that you'll receive perfection, they're a false prophet, get away from them. Run as far as you can. But I want you to understand there is holiness that we're to live by. And that's what we've lost a lot of today. We do not know how to be holy. And we've kind of compromised every single thing that we do. We compromise in our music. We compromise in our preaching because we want a crowd. We want to cut it short. We want to, I was told that you should preach 18 minutes and that's tops. I was like, yeah, I can't even get started in 18 minutes, right? Because what are you going to happen? You're going to get a word or, or, or just a, a thought for the day. And, and that's, we're not here for a thought for the day. If you come to the wrong church, if you want a thought for the day, you need the word of God to apply it, take it with you, and go with you. Take the truth with you. Wherever you go, you take the Lord with you, right? The Holy Spirit says, I'm in you and around you. And if you don't know God's word, and, and I won't do this to us this morning, but we've said we believe the Bible, all of the Bible. But I would say to you, when's the last time you've read the entire Bible? When's the last time you took time to actually spend with the Lord and just read through books of the Bible so that you might grow? Because the question is, if we say, do you agree with everything in the Bible? I don't. Did y'all know that? Job's friends, they were messed up. They gave bad counsel. It's in the Bible, right? Don't listen to Job's friends. Don't pop up in the book of Job and follow their counsel. You might, you might land on one of their, his advisors whose friend says, you're living in sin, that's why you're having those problems. There's bad advice in the Bible. There's bad counsel in the Bible. Because God says, if you don't pray for those boys of yours, those friends of yours, I'm going to kill them. Because they prayed in vain. 
They come up with, they come up with the world's wisdom and then applied theology to it and put, blamed God that it was Job's fault. And God knew the whole time he was testing him. So be careful, don't just pop up in your Bible, because I don't agree with everything in the Bible. Job's friends were wrong. I don't agree with the Balaam when he was trying to curse the people of Israel. I, I, there's a lot, I don't agree with Pharaoh when he was actually not letting the people of God go. There's things I don't agree with in the Bible, and you shouldn't as well if a man is in sin. I don't agree with Judas Iscariot, who's in our story today. Anybody agree with him? Thief, taking silver for the life of Christ. Be careful when you read the Bible. Don't say, I believe everything in the Bible, or I agree with everything, because I don't agree. I believe everything in the Bible is true. But I don't believe everything, because I, I wouldn't follow some of those crooked men, some of those crooked kings, some of those crooked leaders. And, and listen, we've got to be careful that we actually read the Bible for what it says. Look at your notes. Jesus prayed to God the Father in order that he may bring him glory. He said, glorify me as I bring you glory. As preachers, our job is not to lift up ourselves. As teachers, not to, hey, look at me. Don't ever follow a person because the person's going to let you down. Now, on the flip side of that, if someone's living God, then like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But what you have to do is you have to keep watching their lives. There is no perfect person on the planet. We continue looking at the notes. Jesus prayed the gospel to God the Father. Why would Jesus pray the gospel to God? Did God the Father know about the gospel? It was his plan. But he prayed it back to him for whose benefit? Take your finger like this and point to yourself and then point to all your neighbors. He prayed it out loud so that we would have the truth. And what is the truth? By which he gave us, gave and gives eternal life. He gave it to his disciples. We only have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, and we were of the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, you won't ever perish, but you'll have what? Everlasting life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have everlasting life. And we were of the world and in the world. And he pulled us out of that. Some people will come up with, we're just part of the elect. Okay, I am too. I'm saved. Well, who's the elect? I don't know. That's God's business, not mine. That's why I don't get into an argument or fighting about it. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I've been chosen by God, and therefore I'm here today. But I will preach the gospel to everybody who will listen to every creature until Jesus comes. That's our responsibility as Christians. It's not your job to pick and choose or to get into coffee theological debates. Who cares what you think? I don't care what you think. And you shouldn't care what I think, my personal theology, if we don't have a full understanding of what the Scripture says. But we do have a full understanding when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is but one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, recent, uh, recent surveys have been taken. 30% of evangelical pastors in America today are saying, this is a survey, of course, 30%, the numbers are random, are saying that you can get to heaven by good works. Could you imagine sitting in a church that's telling you if you do enough good deeds, God's going to let you into heaven. You're going to get slapped with the gates of hell whenever you die, if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, look at your notes. Listen, Jesus rejoiced that his mission down here on earth was coming to completion. He was ready to return to heaven from whence he came. I used a little King James in there for you. From whence he came. He came from heaven. He came from glory. He lived on this earth for 33 years-ish, and then he went back to the Father where he belonged. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. You'll see in this passage, if you look at 16 to 17, he says, if I go away, who am I going to send? The Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, and then he talks to the Holy Father. 
Do you see there that Jesus is giving credentials, if you will, to the Holy Spirit? Not that he needed them. He's giving credentials to the Holy Father. Not that he needed them. And he's giving credentials to himself. Not that he needed them. They bear witness with each other, yet they're one. You say, well, I don't fully understand that. Join our crowd, right? We don't fully understand it because God has spoken. Continue to look. Listen, Jesus prayed and thanked the Holy Father for the disciples he had given him. Jesus prayed that the disciples would be sanctified. And look at you. I gave you some explanation in there. Set apart for God's purposes, making them holy through the word of truth, which is the Bible. And I was going to put your Bible. It is your word, even though it's God's word. You should have a copy of the Bible. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, see us in the service. We will get you a Bible. We'll buy you a Bible if you don't have resources to buy a Bible. You should never be without the Word of God. Have it on your phone. Have it in script. Have a hand, hand where you can actually touch it and get to the Word of God. So what I want you to understand, that big word sanctified, and there's so many pastors that are saying, you can't use church words in church. Where else would we use them? It's like not speaking Spanish in Spain, right? I mean, it is who we are. So when we use the word sanctified, it's not just complete. It is set apart. So you're saved, right? So this is how salvation happens. God draws you to himself. There's a point of conviction. You go, my life is a wreck, shambles, and there is offered to me salvation through Christ alone. We hear Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and do what? Fall short of the glory of God. And you say, well, I definitely do that. Man, my language, my actions, my deeds, they're all pitiful. If you look at my life, it's miserable. And then we get told that, well, the wages of your sin is what? Death or hell. You're going to hell because of your sins. The wages of sin is death, but God wants to give you a gift. This Bible, whose Bible is this up here? It's the Lord's first. I know that, but whose is it? It's Mike's that I'm using. This is his gift from us. This is his gift. For the gift of God is eternal life. In and through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's just not the gift of eternal life. You don't just get it. It's only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no other way to get salvation. And then we know that the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that God is raised from the dead, we confess with our mouth, what's going to happen? We shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. Now, either God told us the truth, and he's kept us in the truth as Jesus prayed. By the way, if Jesus prayed it, think about this. This, is, this blew my mind when I was processing through this sermon. If Jesus prayed it, did it happen? Does God always answer prayers? Every prayer we pray, God answers the prayers, 100%. He says yes, he says no, he says wait, and he says my grace is sufficient. What do you think God, the Holy Father, said to the Holy Son when he prayed? When he prayed for you and he said, Lord, keep them that they might be sanctified. Do you think God's in the process of taking me and you day by day? So we are saved and sanctified at one point. But we are always processing sanctification. We're getting holy and more holy and more holy as we get closer to glory. Do you understand? And if you're not, something's wrong with you. I can tell you what's happening. If I had a car, many teenagers have this experience. If you get an older car especially, anybody ever had a car where the gas gauge doesn't work? If you got a GMC, you definitely have that, right? You get a 50,000, it goes out. You, don't, you just guess. But you learn how. How do you know how far you can go on the tank of gas if your gas gauge doesn't work? Until you run out, right? 
Anybody proactive and just keep putting gas in your car, hoping that $10 is going to get you where, $10 used to get us somewhere, right? $10 now will get us across town. But I had it, that big Yukon I had, I never could tell what the gas was in it. Steve fixed it, I think, twice. And, but I always had to guess how much gas was in the car. And I knew I could go to work, whatever, eight days and drive wherever else I wanted to go, and I would have gas. I got it figured out. But that's how many people use the Word of God. We just, we just go till we hit empty. And then we don't strive for holiness, even though Jesus prayed that you would strive daily for holiness. That's what he prayed for you and for me. Did God answer his prayer? Does God bring about conviction in our hearts? Saying, listen, shut the TV off, open your Bible. Shut that phone off, get into the Bible. And then somebody says, well, I have an app, I have a Bible app. Yeah, but you do this. You look at your app and you flip it, and then you turn over to Facebook or social media, and you just bury the app until it's time to get back to it. You need to get back to the old-fashioned Word of God, sit down at a coffee table, couch, wherever, you, wherever your study place, your place of prayer, and read the truths of God's Word. That's what you must do if you want to actually fulfill what was prayed for you. When Jesus prayed for his disciples, did Peter always do the right thing? No, he had the title Apostle. He was special. And yet we see him falling back to his old Jewish ways, right? Whenever the Gentiles were out of town and his old boys from the old school came back and he went, oh, can't eat barbecue hut today. Got to go over here and we're having lamb chops, right? And he's over here eating with them. And Paul confronts him and says, what are you doing? And the Bible tells us what their confrontation was like. Peter fails the Lord. We know that during his crucifixion, we're going to read it. And, but also the other men, do you think they sinned against God after salvation? Absolutely, 100%. Even though they were striving daily to be holy. So me and Wendy got into this argument, and I think I asked you all some time ago, we have a new audience today. Is there a possibility, think about this, is there a possibility that you can go a day without sin? Anybody think yes? All right, watch this. We're brothers and sisters, okay? If you're a guest with us, you are too, I guess. We'll find out. Who thinks it's possible to go an entire day without sin? Raise your hand. Who thinks it's not possible? Raise your hand. Okay, we're in a minority. Sorry y'all live like that. All right. Watch this. First Peter says, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. You know what he's saying? Be set apart. Don't get in that conversation. Don't listen to that. Don't get in that text stream. Don't get in that group. Don't go to that movie. Don't listen to that music. Set yourself apart. And when we have the flesh warring against the spirit, there's a war every day calling us, come over here, the party's good. And the Spirit's saying, don't go over there. Come to my truth. Come and get filled from this tank. And what do we do? So many times we're not careful. Our sinful nature wins out and we put the Holy Spirit aside. We violate the very prayer that Jesus prayed for you and me. And we very, violate the very command to be holy as he is holy. Be sanctified as I am sanctified, says the Lord. Now some of you get really upset about, pastor's crazy thinking you can go a whole day without sin. Well, read your Bible. How about that? you have to do is actually set yourself apart. I didn't turn the TV on. Wendy was out of town. I think it's easier when your spouse is away not, not to sin, right? Because you don't, no, no, listen, follow me. Not because she makes me sin. It's because there's a time that you get quiet time. The house is quiet. There's no conversation. You don't have to answer questions about something else. It was just, yesterday was a sweet time. You know what I did? If you dream, is that a sin? If you dream a sinful dream, is that a sin? I don't know if y'all, how do y'all process this? We need to, this is one-on-one this morning, all right? Let's do this. 
Might we'll get to your ordination here in just a minute. I'm going to tell you. Anybody ever had a bad, evil dream? Raise your hand, yes or no. How do you get rid, how do you take that? Is that a sin? No, but what you do is you take every thought, what? Captive. Lord, what, how'd that, if it wakes you up, how did I, how did I even process my mind? Lord, I, take that away, please. Or open, I open my eyes and it goes away. I don't know how it works for you. But take every thought captive. So what do you do when you get prepared, when you get tempted? Is temptation a sin? No, because Jesus was tempted, right? In every manner in which we've tempted, did Jesus ever sin? No, you say, well, he was the God-man. He was and he couldn't sin, but he was tempted by sin. And James 1 tells you, you want to read how you're led astray into sin? It's not anything that God does. He said, you will never say, and you must never say, I was tempted by God, so therefore I sinned. You're tempted by the lust of your own heart, James says. James really, James really kicks it on us. So I want you to see the sanctification. Jesus prayed that we would be holy day by day. So can we be holy? Listen, here's my best thing I did yesterday. I was exhausted. I don't know what happened, but I slept almost all day. I got up and fixed breakfast. I prayed for at breakfast. went right bed to bed. I slept till lunch. I got up and fixed a little bit of lunch. Just I wasn't that hungry because I've been sleeping and doing nothing. Refused to turn the TV on, got my Bible open, stayed in my Bible all day. It was amazing. I was thinking good things. I think I actually made it through the day without sinning yesterday. And then come Sunday, right? So I wish it was every day. I believe I made it through the day. I didn't kick the dog. I didn't yell. I didn't uh, answer the phone. I didn't do any. I was focused on the Lord. I just, Deuteronomy was consuming me. And then I just kind of chilled out the rest of the day. It was amazing to spend time with God. I felt like I was on a, a special retreat with just me and God. Wendy's up seeing the grandkids in Greenville. And then moving on up to see uh, Mackenzie and the other guy. I'm just kidding. Chris, my new son-in-law. All right. Y'all, so many people ask me the question, right? Because I don't know why the pastor, th y'all think the pastor knows all the answers. But there's a lot of answers we do know because we read the Word of God. I put this note in your notes. Please follow this, and then we're going to quickly give you the answers and move right into praying a blessing over Mike. Because there's nothing to do besides just to acknowledge it publicly with his family today that God's called him. But look at the note. The best way to know the character of God is to read his word and do what he says do and don't do what he says don't do. Is that advanced? Read his word, do what he says do, don't do what he says don't do. I want to give you a deep theological thought this morning. There you go. Y'all understand this as parents when we talk to our children, don't we? Don't you? And you, what do you expect? Them to sneak in and do it anyway? It's getting ready to be Halloween candy. It's about to run around this place like crazy, right? Don't you eat that candy. In Wendy's class, she's got a little girl, and Wendy was teaching. They had candy this week, and a little girl went over, and she had her cubby. And I, I just stopped by to say, hey, and the little girl was, like, not coming with the table. Everybody else was at the table. Wendy's, like, calling her name. I won't call her out. And the little girl raises her, her little bag, and she, I looked up, and I saw her. And I was like, what is she looking at? And I went over, and they went, she went to the table. I went over and looked at, lifted up a little bag of Skittles that Coach Harmon had given all the kids during P.E., they had to wait to eat them, and I guess when they get home or whenever parents said they could. But she was checking on them. She was over there just, she knew they were there, but she was just, she was just checking on them, right? Don't eat this candy until you get home. But she was tempted to do the wrong thing, right? It was a good thing, but she was tempted to do the wrong thing. Be careful that you actually, that, all the notes, that's your best note there. Jesus prayed for us, those who have a covenant relationship with, with God. 
his 21st century disciples. This is us, y'all. This is cool stuff for us. He prayed for love, and he prayed for unity between us and the Godhead. He said, make them one, bring them together, unify them, Lord, and bring them together with us. Can you imagine thinking about us and God together? I'm unified with God. Now, we sin, of course, but we have the Holy Spirit in us going, don't you do that. Don't you say that. Don't you act like that. And, and God's always done in a demeaning way. Why does he give us thou shalt nots and thou shalts? What's his nature? What's his character? L-O-V-E, love, that's why, right? He says it out of love. Why would you tell your kids don't skateboard in the street or don't ride your new bike in the street if you're barely starting to ride or don't run across the street when they're little because you don't want them to die. You want to keep them safe. You want to keep them from harm. So does our loving Father. Jesus prayed for us to be with him eternally. He desired that we see him in glory. He changed his address from Jerusalem to glory. And he asked, listen, he asked the Father that we would be with him. So listen, how many of you know that you know that you know you're going to heaven? I'm going to be with him. I'm going to see him again. The Bible says I'm going to know him as he's known, and he'll know me. He'll know me by name. And by the way, he won't just know me. I've been reading Revelation as well. He's going to give me a new name that none of y'all will know, right? Except me and he, right? Look at Revelation for yourself. It's amazing. I get excited when I read it. We're going to start Revelation, I think, on Sunday nights. Jesus prayed to God the Father and recognized that the world does not know him, but the righteous do. Isn't that a good thing to know about? When people get angry with us, frustrated with us, Jesus prayed for the oneness of the church. And finally, Jesus prayed and declared the name and love of the Holy Father to his disciples of all ages. He prayed this so the love of God may be manifested from him to us, from us to him. I didn't put that in your notes. It's from him to us because God is love. Right? In this, we know love that he loved us while we were still sinners. Romans 5, 8, right? While you were in sin, he loved you, and he called you out of sin that you may be more and more like his son. Isn't that amazing to think about? What an awesome God that we serve. Well, I want two men to come up. I want Derek to come up, and I want Mike, I want you to come up. And I guess I'll put your Bible back in here. No, I'm not. You can do that. We're going to give an invitation. We're not through with the message because what I want you to understand, come on up, Mike, all the way up. What I want us to understand this morning, with the call of God is not something that's just simple, that we just say, oh, it, I was, he's a pastor, and uh, he must not could do any other job. What did you do before? Engineer. He was an engineer at the nuclear plant. Easy job. It just, I'm just kidding with you. He went from a difficult job. Even some people in our church said, Pastor, either we're paying him way too much money, or he really was called into the ministry when he came here to leave that job. And I said, well, I know what he makes, and I know we're not paying him too much money, because uh, we want to starve you to death in ministry, just for the record. I'm just kidding, that's not true. Listen, God has blessed our church, and God's blessed us with men like Mike. And so as he teaches, he teaches the youth. And uh, I want the youth that we're going to stand have a chance to be recognized as well. But he's going from being licensed as a minister of the gospel. He's now going to be a pastor of the gospel. So it's us as a church putting our hands on him, saying, listen, we're sending you here at home. But I told Mike, be careful. And I'll say this publicly before the church. God doesn't usually put two horses in the same stable that can pull. All right. Now, he might be growing our church in a totally different direction. Mike's already been requested to preach. Uh, some of our churches that doesn't have a pastor. We have 13 Baptist churches in the association that doesn't have a pastor. So you might be seeing more of him and me go preach over there, vice versa. We don't know how God's going to use us because he's now pulling uh, more ministers into the gospel. We pray for more and more young men to go into the ministry. So we can't wait to see what God's going to do. So we're going a process, which we haven't seen a lot of, 
from licensed to the ministry, and there's several men in our church have been licensed to the ministry, now to pastor in the ministry. He's been preaching in the community, other churches, and now preached here. And so we're going to put our hands on this morning, and we're going to ask all ordained deacons and ministers to come this morning as well. If you've been ordained, and we're going to have a word over Mike, and then, and then um, we will present him to the church. But before we do that, I'm going to, come on down. Y'all men can come. Please come. Ministers, come. Even if you've been licensed in the ministry, come. And I want you to just come up behind me. But here's what I want to do. You have a bulletin, so we want to explain, obviously, if you have questions about the finance. Before these men come up on stage, and as they come up on stage, I want to call us right now to a time of administrative meeting. Because we announced two weeks ago we'd have an administrative meeting. We're going to do that right now. Because I want you to be, there's no other way for me to put your hands up than you to be a part of it. This makes us legal and also makes us biblical. So as far as our finances go, Derek was going to give a report. Derek, really quick, just tell them what they need to know about the, look at your bulletin. If you look at the back, back or inside. I think it's on the inside. All right, just really quick, I want you to see that this is important. So the best part of all the numbers on there is if you go to the very bottom right-hand corner and see the totals, that that number's in the black, not in the red. So, so Let's that, praise God for that. The black means that we're in the positive. And, you know, we are, as a church, overall, you know, all three different entities. You see Town Creek Baptist Church in there, Town Creek Christian Academy, and then Town Creek Early Education, which is the preschool um, combined. Obviously, those three are in the black. Those of you that have been around for a while know how large that TCCA number used to be in the red for the academy. And so if you look at that number there now, um, I put my glasses back on to see my number. But for the year, through nine months, we are, I'll say only, $18,266 in the red as an academy. Hmm. Okay, you know, just two years ago, that number was pushing $200,000. Right. Okay, so that number has gone from $200,000 down to less than $20,000 in the red. It'll, we've still got three more months, so it'll probably grow a little bit before the end of the year, but it's not going to grow anywhere near to where it used to be. So, so that is definitely a praise to God and, and what he's got going on, you know, here at Town Creek. So, so that is a pretty basic overview of numbers, but if, if you have any questions on anything more in-depth and want to know what makes those numbers up, please feel free to come see me. So, Thank you, Mr. Derrick. We will have breakout sessions coming up for budget as well. If God's put a ministry on your heart and you go, I just got to tell somebody about this ministry on my heart, tell us ahead of time because what happens is Derek's planning budgets now for the next year, and you'll see, obviously, we, we listen to the church. You are the authority that we listen to when it comes. Well, Mike's part of the community. I cannot turn this new Bible, Mike. Sorry, I had to put some uh, saliva in there. Yeah. Chapter 4. So this is what the Word of God says to Mike this morning. Mike, come up front if you would. Actually, I made y'all come up here on stage. Richard, we're going to come down there, all right? Let's, let's come back downstage. Sorry, guys. For Richard's sake, right? We're coming up for our brothers. Come in middle. Come dead middle. Dead middle. Uh, just the middle. We're not going to take time to all of us to, to pray individually. We're going to pray uh, corporately for him. But if ordination is something we put our hands on and saying, listen, the Lord has said so. We asked one question of Mike as we're still in a conference. What if the church votes not to ordain you? That's all you're voting for today. He's already an employee. He works for the church. But what if the church 
votes not to ordain you. And he said, I wasn't called to the ministry by the church. I was called to the ministry by God to equip the church. So just FYI that this morning as we, that was, and I said right answer. That is the right answer because God's called. But I'd like to do this this morning. If you are a church member this morning, this is still in conference, I want us to actually, if you would say yes, I would agree that Mike Schaefer should be ordained to the gospel ministry as a pastor. Would you let it be known by just raising your right hand? Hands down. If you oppose, same sign. Or any reason that you would know that you could tell me. Thank you. Mike, uh, the yeses have it this morning from the church body. So we're going to close our time of business, and then we're going to pray and get back to our church business, the Bible business right here. Mike has told this in Scripture, and let me read this to Scripture. And Tammy, I'm going to ask you to come up with Mike as well. And I'm going to get, boys, I'm going to get y'all to come up in just a minute. But the Bible says this, Paul writing to Timothy says this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This is 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. Preach the word, Mike. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, Mike. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministries. As my pastor used to say, discharge the duties you've been assigned, all right? So I'll give you the box for this. Church, as we pray, I want to ask you to do me a favor as well. We still, we'll have an invitation still. If you need to pray and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, today is the day to do it. Mike was once lost. If you've never heard his testimony, listen to his testimony. Tammy's saying amen for sure he was lost, <laughs> acting like a sinner. Uh, but they've been through troubles and trials, and they've been through the blessings of God as well. And I want you to see, as we pray, we're not seeing a perfect man here. We're seeing a man called by God. Something unique that we don't always get to see. And most churches will go through their whole lifetime without seeing another man being sent out. And I found out Town Creek has been a sending church for pastors. We've been ordaining pastors long before I got here. So th this morning I want to pray over Mike and Tammy. And then we're going to have the boys come up. And then I want to present you with a couple of things. So the church has spoken. Let's pray on your behalf. Gentlemen, if you'd come around, we're not going to have individual prayers. If you just come around and just cluster them, just kind of swarm them with, uh, with love. This is a picture of unity. And I can tell you these men that I work with, I'm blessed by them, ordained deacons, licensed ministers. I'm blessed to be part of them because they do love you and they do serve. And as we pray today, I'm going to ask you, if you would, just stand with us and extend your hand and praying for Mike and Tammy and the boys. And then we're going to pray that God's blessing would be upon them as we serve. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, Lord, we thank you for today. And as we stand in your presence, knowing, Lord, we have no power in and of ourself. Lord, the gift of the Holy Spirit is already in Mike and Tammy. The call is on his heart from the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, the word of truth that he will hold in his hand and has held in his hand for years now since he's been saved, Lord, is the only way that he has to get the truth out because it is the truth. Lord, we, as a church, collectively raise our hands, Lord, towards them saying, we pray for you, and Lord, we want to see success, and we want you to preach the word in season, out of season. Lord, it's going to be out of season real soon, if it's not already, and I just pray, as we as men represent our church and other churches today, 
stand before you and stand before God, Lord, especially in our people, that, Lord, we would honor you in all that we say and all that we do, that when we talk about Mike and Tammy, we would lift them up. Even when we have disagreements, Lord, we would be unified so that we can be one as we are one together and one with you. Father, would you bless us as Jesus prayed for all those who would be called. Jesus knew Mike and Tammy would be standing here this day, October 30th. And Lord, we really have just seen it over the last couple of years. We knew it was coming, but Lord, you knew the day, and you knew the time, and you knew the call. It's amazing to serve an awesome God like you. And I pray that Mike would have ministry, Lord, to his dying day, that he would bless you. And that many would come into the kingdom because of the word he preaches, teaches, and the lifestyle that he lives with Tammy there as his support. Pray for the boys as well as they mature because they have responsibilities in the ministry as well to be an example to those who watch and see. Thank you for your love and care for us. Thank you for this day. Lord, we bless your name. Holy is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated. Mike, Tammy, if you'll come up on the platform with me. Derek, would you, where'd you go? I'm not going to help you. I'm going to help Tammy. I'm going to ask the boys to come up as well. This Bible is not the most expensive Bible, but we it's a super giant print. So, Mike, if you've ever seen him, he's always stealing my glasses, and I'm always borrowing his glasses, so none of us can see. But y'all, as a family, there's a call. I used to tell my children, the Bible says, the, the ministry of a pastor, he must be, and it goes down to a whole lot of he must be's. He must be set apart. He must be, listen, called. He must be the husband of one wife. Tammy can't be a gossip, right? Uh, and the boys, it said he has his own household under control. Therefore, if he doesn't, how could he understand or control the household of God? So boys, I used to tell my kids when I got ordained to the ministry, if you want to cut up and act like a fool in society, I'm going to kill you because I ain't getting out of the ministry. And if I do, I'm going to have a prison ministry. So just that's what I told my kids. I put the fear of God in them. Because it was honest, right? And I loved them so much. So listen, this is the Schaefer family this morning. And what I'd like to do is uh, for us, as we present this Bible, Mike, to you, obviously, there's the case for it. Like I say again, not the super most expensive. We'll, we'll put your name, I wrote you a little note in there from the church. On behalf of the church, we represent you, the church. And then this is certificate of ordination. This certifies that Michael David Schaefer has been observed. This certifies that Michael David Schaefer has been observed by our faith family and diligently questioned regarding his call to the gospel ministry. Therefore, by the authority of the word of God and the ministry of Town Creek Baptist Church, we ordain our brother into the gospel ministry this 30th day of October, 2022. And then ordination council, myself, Reverend Steve Simpson, our associational uh, mission strategist, Reverend Emmanuel Afari Atata, Reverend Alex L. Smith, and then Mr. Steve Hightower, our chairman of deacons. We present this to you today uh, on behalf of the church and on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ called to the ministry. So let me come out here and get, Melissa's going to take a picture. Come out here with me. Take a picture. We'll smile. We'll, we'll take a picture. Yeah, no, we just love you. Church, listen, this is going to hopefully hang, hang in his wall and a reminder of, of God's call to him. And these men are on call, the ordination council uh, that's who questioned him, and you're on call. They're on call to serve you, and myself included, in any capacity. So, any words you want to say? You want to sing a song? I'll sing a song. <laughs> well, it is really quite an honor to, uh, first and foremost, be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank all of you for just being an awesome faith family. And 
just here in front of all of you, uh, keep me accountable. You, it's like Pastor said, I'd like to be able to say like Paul said in uh, Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I'm following Christ. And I am definitely not the person you need to put your faith and trust in. That's Christ. But I, I hope and strive to be that person that if you are following along with me, I'm heading in the right direction. So keep me accountable, and I love all of you. Well, t today it is my privilege to introduce to you Reverend Michael David Schaefer, the Reverend. Can, you can maybe say that. We'll get a picture after church. Come come on down. As we committed it to you, that every service we have an invitation. We invite you. Listen, this is what I want you to put out there. If God's still calling some of you into the ministry, now you say, well, can women be a, a pastor? The answer is no. But women can be serving in any capacity in the church that God didn't ordain it just for men. Women are to be serving you. Our children, listen, how many of y'all had a great Sunday school teacher growing up? We already have a, our children, kids' worship teacher. What were their names? Shout it out real quick if you remember them. How many have men, good, godly men, Sunday school teachers as kids? How many? There's only a few, right? How many had women, godly women teachers? Look around. Listen, we remember those people because they made disciples of us before we got saved. So discipleship starts back there in the nursery. That's where it starts, and then it continues. So as we stand today, listen, if you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you want to follow through a believer's baptism, you feel God's calling you into some type of ministry and you don't know what it is, We'll process through that with you together this morning. But we invite you to come if God's calling you this morning. And then we have new members class today at 2 o'clock if you want to. Uh, is it today? Not today. Next week. Next week. Thanks, Chris. She gave me the. No, it's not. So let's sing together. If you need to pray, the altar's open for you, and we'll dismiss after the invitation. So I invite you to come.